And so eight years ago, when the uh, Olympic Games were held in London in the UK, um, this hymn was sung as part of the opening ceremony for the Olympic Games, and not one single television channel in the rest of the world kept it in. They edited it all out. But there's one of these strange traditions that uh, the British have is that when we come to things like the FA Cup final or rugby matches, we stand and sing, abide with me. Now, I think there's some good reasons why some of us in sport should be singing that. But at the end of the day, what a shame that uh, even Canada, even the USA decided that uh, there was no space for a hymn like that to be presented. And uh, as we're preparing uh, this morning for Lord's Supper, we recognize that uh, um, there's some things we need to learn, isn't there? There's some things we need to learn about our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the meal that we share together, because that's what it is, simple though it is, uh, you might go away feeling hungry physically, but I hope and pray with all my heart that this morning we will be able to go away having felt fuller spiritually because of the wonderful sections of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. Now, just before we uh, turn and, and do that, I just want to make mention of the fact that uh, in a couple of weeks' time on the 16th of um, January, that's uh, a Tuesday, I believe, uh, we, we're starting a new ministry called the Chit Chat Club. Now, it uh, starts at 12 noon, and uh, it's designed for people that uh, have got time on their hands. Uh, so there will be those that uh, perhaps have retired. But if, if you're one of these people that's retired young, well, come along. There's no reason why you can't. Uh, it starts off with dinner. So if you want to have something to eat, lunch, sorry, starts off with lunch, then come along and enjoy that. Now, bon, uh, Bev and uh, Bonnie are looking after the arrangements for this. So if you've got any questions, talk to them. But it'll be held in the cornerstone and uh, Bev is giving pool lessons for people that want to learn how to play pool properly. So I shall be coming along to, uh, to take part in that. I'm not sure I'm up to it just yet, but I'll do the best I can do. <laughs> so uh, if you know of any friends and uh, neighbors, perhaps, um, who, who might like to come along to this, there are some posters which are going up in town. So don't be afraid to encourage them to do so, and I assure you that it will be uh, more of a social event, but whenever we're uh, there to chit-chat, we can talk about the gospel, and that's one of the things that can come into that, so we look forward to that. Now, has anybody ever been invited to uh, one of those Golden Jubilee wedding anniversary celebrations? Uh, they're quite exciting, aren't they? Um, when you get to meet a couple who have been married for 50 years, and you think, wow, that's an achievement. And uh, one of the things that you perhaps notice as you, uh, as you go into uh, to uh, perhaps uh, meet the people, the couple that uh, have presented this wonderful party for you to come to, the food's good, um, they've got lots of friends and family, lots of grandchildren perhaps that have come along. And uh, as you get talking, you suddenly think to yourself, wow, this couple, they, they've got to know each other so incredibly well. Well, after 50 years, you'd expect that that would be the case, wouldn't you? But all of a sudden you begin to think to yourself, this is incredible because it's almost as if when one moves, the other one moves. There's, there's sort of some synchronization that takes place and it's a joy to be able to see people in that situation. Maybe just old friends, people that you've been friends with for a long time and suddenly you discover that you can think what they're thinking and they can think what you're thinking simply because you've got to know each other. You've got to uh, be friends and you've begun to uh, to see how people live, and you can uh, uh, en enter into that. 
And friends, the lesson that we want to talk about this morning is very simply this. Um, a young lady said to me, she said, it's fine, Pastor, but five minutes after the message is finished, I've forgotten everything. So if you're in that category, put your hand up now. No, don't put your hand up now. But if you're in that category, this is the thing you need to remember. And it's very, very simple. You can all remember it, okay? The better you know Jesus, the more you will love him. That's the message. The better you know Jesus, the more you will love him. The more you find out about Jesus, the more you can apply to your life. And the more exciting it is that you discover how to live your life uh, to the full, to the full that Jesus wants you to live, that God wants you to live. And so that's the strap line, if you like. The better you know Jesus, the more you'll love him. And of course, this relationship begins with a very intimate moment, doesn't it? That intimacy is when we come face to face with the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives. That's the beginning part. I say it's intimate because it is, because all of a sudden, everything else around you is drowned out. The noise of the world disappears. The noise of family recedes. And suddenly, you're confronted face to face with the living God. In his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you suddenly learn a lot about yourself. You suddenly learn that whilst you thought you were, you know, pretty good, pretty special, somebody that other people should take account of, suddenly you see that that isn't actually quite the case that you thought it was. And suddenly you begin to see that this whole concept and problem of sin affects you. Because up until that point, you might have even thought, well, I'm not a sinner. You should meet the kid down the road or the lady across the street or the guy that I work with. And you're thinking to yourself, but that's not me. And then suddenly, bang, you meet yourself face to face because Jesus intervenes in your life through the Holy Spirit. And what you thought was the case, you discover is not the case. I thought Rachel read the scriptures very, very well, and what wonderful verses she read to us. Um, today is a message that should have happened sometime in September, but because of me being unwell, has only happened now. And that is that we've got to the end of this little series that we've been looking at of abiding in the Lord Jesus Christ. John 17 verse 3 explains this. It says, and this is eternal life. Not that they may know you, sorry, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. And so it's imperative, it's vital that we remember that our salvation is only the beginning of this relationship that we have with the Savior. And sometimes uh, many people will come to that point in their lives and it's almost as if they think to themselves, well, I've now achieved what's needed. I've got my get out of hell free card. Uh, and now I'm guaranteed to go to heaven because I've done everything that I was told to do. That's an unfortunate way of looking at salvation. There's some truth in the fact that when we come in that moment of intimacy to the Lord Jesus Christ, yes, and we give our heart and our life to him, yes, we discover that 
a new relationship has started. But that is the key word. It is started. You see, our salvation is only the beginning. Never for one moment think that you've achieved everything the moment you trusted in Jesus. Yes, that's the place that you had to begin. But if you think that's where you're going to stay for the rest of your life, then you're going to miss out on so much. And you're going to regret it one day as you look back. Even after a few days, you'll regret it if you begin to think that that's the position that you stay at. But you'll discover as you get older that there's so much more. And that is the message. Remember the strap line that we came up with a moment ago. The better you know Jesus, the more you'll love him. Our salvation is the beginning and then we have the privilege and I would describe it as a joy of continuing to grow and to learn. The Apostle Peter in his second uh, letter makes a startling observation when he says this. This is, this is Peter, okay? He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior. That's the place that we start. Now, friends, I'm quite happy to confess this. You know, I'm not the person I was the day that I came to know Jesus. It's changed. There are things now that I understand that I never understood then. But that's what growing in the Christian life and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is all about. There are fears that I no longer have that I certainly had then. There were things I didn't understand about the gospel and the way that it spreads around the whole world and the way that it is for each and every person. There is nobody in the world that cannot, should not receive the gospel because the gospel is for all people. And we recognize that. So I'm not the person that I was when I first came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because there has been an understanding and this understanding I still marvel at is that I am treasured by God. I can't understand it all and I wish I could explain it all to you. I can't but I know it's true because that relationship has deepened and grown and I'm treasured by Him. He loves me. He'll never let me go. There are times when I try and run away, but he won't let me go. And it could be that as you're listening this morning, and as you read and as you heard those scriptures, as, as Rach read them to us, you're beginning to think to yourself, what's wrong with me? Why is it that I still feel no different? My family is falling apart around me. When difficulties come, they just seem to get harder and I'm struggling and I don't know how to handle it. The better you know Jesus, the more you will love him. I had a phone call this week. It was quite a long phone call. And some things were said that startled me. Because the person who was speaking to me gave me the impression that nobody cared. Nobody loved them. And there are many people in our society, communities, and even in our families who feel exactly the same. Sometimes we try all sorts of things to deal with this emptiness. Um, sometimes we 
drink alcohol because it's a way of deadening the way that we feel, the loneliness, the emptiness, the failure, the abject misery that we face. But alcohol is a depressant and it'll make you worse. It might cover you for a few hours. Some people try sex, relationships with others. But it's temporary. I want you to consider for a moment the Apostle Paul. This man started off his life and his career as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He was top of the class. He knew the scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures. And he was determined to follow through. And on one occasion he stood... And some guys with rocks in their hands see a man called Stephen who's full of the Holy Spirit. And the guys with rocks had placed their cloaks at the feet of Paul. And Paul was in full agreement that they stoned this man to death. There's some horrible ways to die. And I think that's got to be one of the worst, hasn't it? So that's where Paul started. And then he has an experience where he meets Jesus face to face. He's blinded. And three days later, he's able to receive his sight again. And, and he has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The first thing he does is go out and he's baptized. The scriptures tell us that very clearly. Again, we see repent and be baptized. And 25 years later, after he's been on his missionary journeys, after he's seen God at work in his, in his life, as uh, he's been shipwrecked and all the rest of it, lots of different things have taken place. But 25 years later, he finds himself in prison. And he writes from his prison cell in the city of Rome, to the church, his friends, his brothers and sisters in Philippi, chapter 3 and verse 10, and he says this, and it made me think, and I hope it makes you think, he said this, he said, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 25 years of knowing Jesus, and he wants to know more. He's not satisfied with what he's got already. He's not satisfied with what he's been able to see and what he's been able to learn and what he's experienced and how the Holy Spirit has worked in him and how he has seen the church of the Lord Jesus Christ growing in a pagan environment with a Roman Empire that was determined to stamp it out and to stop it. And then he says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being conformed to his death, if by any means I may obtain attain to the resurrection from the dead. Can you relate to that? Do you want to learn more? Paul, the great apostle who penned much of the New Testament, he wants to know Jesus better and better and better and more intimately. He wasn't content with the basics. 
for many years in my life, I was more than content with the absolute basics. As my wife and I came to know the Lord Jesus Christ, for a while we struggled. And we struggled because we were content with the basics. Paul wasn't. And so he sought for more. Paul even visited, we're told, uh, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, a strange set of verses. We haven't got time to look into them this morning. But Paul even visited the third heaven. You know, the sky is heaven one, the universe two, and then there's the throne room of God. And Paul took a glimpse. And he'd seen things that he was told, don't say anything. And then he comes back and he says, I want to know more. And we can be content with the crumbs So the question for you and me, are we content with what we have? Are we happy knowing the minimum? Just knowing that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to save us from our sin. And that by believing on him, we're assured of eternal life. And this is wonderful. But are you happy with just knowing that? Why is it so important for us to get to know Jesus Christ better? Why should I want to know Jesus more intimately? Why should I spend time and energy seeking Him? Perhaps going out of my way to seek Him. Well, these are the questions that we need to ask. And very briefly this morning, I want to try and help us to understand them. And firstly, I would suggest that to answer this, you need to go back to your salvation. There's a verse that we looked at uh, last year. Um, no, not last year, the year before. And uh, for our, our Bible studies coming up in a month or so's time, we're going to be looking at uh, Paul's letter to the Colossians. And in chapter 2 and verse 9, um, sorry, verse 6, and as I read this, you will remember it, I'm sure, immediately. Verse 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. You see, it all begins with knowing Jesus. It all begins with our relationship with Jesus. If you've only got a head knowledge of the gospel, a head knowledge of the Bible, a head knowledge of going to church, of church governance, of doctrine, well, You've got a head knowledge of all those things, but you haven't got a heart knowledge. You haven't got a heart change. You might be great at going to a Bible quiz. You could play Bible Trivial Pursuit and know all the answers, but it won't save you. Because salvation is a living relationship. And living relationships don't just stand still. They grow, they change, they move forward. And we cannot grow as Christians apart from personal fellowship with Jesus Christ. You can try. 
but it won't work. And then you substitute other things for the failure that you see in your life. Yep, some good things. Lots of bad things. For this personal fellowship, relationship with Christ. I want to warn you to, be a, to beware of second-hand relationships. You can try and live off of someone else's faith. Perhaps your mum. You know, she's great. She reads a Bible. You see her reading her Bible. She reads the Bible to you. You hear and listen to her. You begin to think to yourself, well, you know, my mum's doing all the Christian bit in our family. I can leave her to do it. When she says something, you perhaps take the words in and you may even repeat those words to other people. But what you're doing is just having a second-hand faith. You're living off of the same things that other people have said. So be careful of that. What we want to do is to get into the situation where in our lives everything matters. If we watch the wrong stuff on TV, it affects us. I was talking to somebody recently and uh, <laughs> they were shocked by the language of a pastor in a church not so far from here. And they said, there's no difference between what they think and what the world thinks. What's wrong? And it's this, it's relationship. It's relationship with Jesus. And pastors can have no relationship with Christ. Elders in churches can have no relationship with Christ, but they're doing the job as best they can in their own strength. Deacons can have no relationship with Christ, and yet they continue to do the things that they're supposed to do. And you can come to church can say the right things, do the right things, but you've no relationship. And so that relationship is not growing because it can't, because it's never started. The better we get to know Him, the more we grow in the Christian life and experience maturity. Paul, that I may know Him better and better and better and better. Now, this may come as a surprise uh, to some of us here this morning. But that's not the only thing that's true. You see, there is something else that's true about the Christian life. And it's this. We are not only to love Jesus more, and, and this is challenging, but the Bible says we're also to become more like him. So yes, to love him more, but that love becomes more like him. So back to our golden wedding anniversary celebrations. And you look at this couple, and you even begin to think they look like each other now. <laughs> because for 50 years, they've begun to settle into a way. They dress with the same sort of colors, the same fashions, the same styles. And all of a sudden, you can begin to think to yourself, and you feel sorry for the girls, really, to sort of say that they're beginning to look like each other. But that's the truth of the matter, because they become like this. And then you'll hear the, the little old guy, he comes up, well, it doesn't have to be so old, and he, he says, I love her more than I've ever loved her. And it's exciting to see this. And this is a picture, a glimpse, perhaps, of what the Christian life is really all about. We're not only to love Jesus more, but we're to become like him. 
This is the nub of the matter. And now we're entering the very center of what our relationship with Jesus should be like. We're to be like Jesus. Friends, for just a moment, please think to yourself and ask yourself the question, am I growing to be like Jesus? Now, you could ask me for an opinion. Wouldn't necessarily be the best. You could ask the person sat next to you for an opinion. You could ask your husband or your wife, go careful, they don't want any trouble this afternoon. But are you growing to be more like Jesus? You're the person who knows yourself. You know what you think. You know the things that you do. You know the things that you watch, that you read, the comments that you make to others. And so you can answer these questions maybe better than anybody else. Am I growing to be more like Jesus? One of the answers to that that I think is probably quite a fair one that you see generally and that I see quite often in pastoral work is this. Stagnation, that's a horrible word, isn't it? Okay, it, stagnant water. Who likes to drink stagnant water? If ever you're going to drink water from a stream, make sure it's moving because you need to have movement in the water to make sure it doesn't stagnate. But you know, this is one of the problems in our Christian lives. We stagnate. We don't move forward. We're not becoming more like Jesus. We're not deepening our love with him. We're content with the droppings, the little pieces, the bits and pieces. And so we're stagnating. And, and, and this means that the friends around us, the family around us, they are struggling as well. Our children are struggling because they look at us and they don't really see a particularly lovely believer, a lovely parent, a lovely father, a lovely mother who knows and loves the Lord Jesus because stagnation has taken place. Philippians 2.5 let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the, of the Lord that me, he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Moses, as we know, met God on the mountaintop, didn't he? And when he came down the mountain, there was a bit of hassle at the bottom because the people of Israel, the children of Israel, had chosen to melt down their earrings and other things and make a little, a little golden calf and they were dancing around and worshipping it. But as Moses came down the mountain, we're told that his face glowed. Why did it glow? Because he'd been in the presence of God. Now, I might be wrong, but I don't think so. You and I have an even better position than Moses did. Because we're told that the Shekinah glory on Moses' face faded. If Christ is living in you, the glory of God should never fade. Because it comes from within. Do people see the glory of God from you? God's purpose for our lives is that we might be conformed to the image of his son. Romans 8 Verse 29, we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. If you come to faith in Christ, that's what happens. 
And so in closing, very briefly, we just finished with the third result of knowing Christ better. You get to know yourself better. We've touched on it, but we just finished by clarifying a few points. Because there's one thing that happens, and it's this, is that we begin to learn our best self. Not just a good self, but the very best that we have, that we can ever be. Learning and loving Jesus more and having the mind of Christ doesn't make us less a person. Rather, it brings out of us all that God has placed into us. His glory. The amazing thing about the Christian life is that we Christians, we believers, those of us who have come to faith in him, all seek to be more like Christ. But we aren't imitating one another. You see, the Christian life is not a case of finding somebody that you think is a great Christian model. Yeah, there's some value in this to a degree. I'm going to copy him. I'm going to copy her. That's not what it's about. The Christian life is that we are individuals indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We're not clones. Becoming like Christ is a process that helps us become ourselves and fulfill the purpose that God has for us. So getting to know Christ better leads to spiritual growth, which makes us more like Christ and helps us become all that he wants us to be. But the wonderful result of growing in your knowledge of Christ is that the better you know him, the more you love him. Today we're at the beginning of a new year. And we make New Year's resolutions. Some of us are trying to lose a little bit of weight here and there. Some of us are just trying to get a bit fitter, stronger. Some of us are going to read our Bibles more effectively. And I'd love us all to have a new understanding in our lives that I want to become more like Jesus. And you're going to use this 12 months to begin to know Jesus better. Um, not next week, but in a few weeks' time, we're going to look at how do we know Jesus better. Well, the simple things that we can begin, first of all, is to take a stock, a review of our lives. What are our priorities? What do I spend my time on? Young people, how many hours do you spend on the old uh, computer games? Where's Jack? <laughs> oh, there he is. Okay. So if you want to know where Jack is, you just have to... And find out where his phone is or his computer is. Did you read about the kid who beat Tetris this week? Nine-year-old, no, 13-year-old. And he got such a high score, all the numbers changed to letters. And uh, he's beaten this game. And when asked how many hours he spent on it, it was approximately 20 per day. <laughs> okay. What are your priorities? And then... What's your familiarity with God's Word? Can you find your Bible? You've got a reading plan now. Start to read.